Today's message sounds a lot like a courtroom drama. Clear and convincing evidence. That's the title of today's message as we look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following. Reminds me of a movie that was released in 1992 uh, called A Few Good Men where uh, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson are playing two opposing uh, counterparts in the, in the court. And Cruise is a, is a naval lawyer, and he's defending two Marines that were accused of murdering another Marine on the Guantanamo Bay uh, naval base. Jack Nicholson is a U.S. Marine commander of that base, and he's quite frankly covering up the truth. And, and Cruz continues to put him on the stand and go after him and after him and after him until finally it escalates of Cruz demanding the truth from Nicholson. Nicholson says, you want answers? And uh, Cruz comes back and says, I want the truth. And then the famous words of that movie, probably the most quoted is Nicholson's response. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. That, that's an interesting concept. Because oftentimes we can't handle the truth be, because we want to face, or we really quite frankly don't want to face the truth of our own reality. That's what Romans 1, 18 and following talks about. It's the idea, can we handle the truth? This is not a new issue. This is an issue of humanity since the beginning of time. For whatever reason, we don't want to submit. We want to live our own way. We want to make our own decisions. We think we know better. We think we have a better plan. We have a better solution. And we find ourselves pushing against the truth. And that's what Paul's writing about. That's the position he's writing from. He's stating that although you and I may know the truth, for some reason we keep pushing against it further and further away. So in the passage today, Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and following, we're going to see a three-step process that humanity, that mankind takes uh, to detach themselves from the truth. And my hope today is that we wouldn't be as the Romans who suppress the truth and push away, but rather we would be people that would hear the truth and respond to Paul's warning. So let's begin reading in Romans 1, verse 18. And the wrath of God is being revealed from the heaven against all the ungodliness and wickedness of the people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God made it plain to them. For since the creation of God's world, invisible qualities, his internal power, divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So the, the first step that we see here in this suppression of the truth is that man suppresses the truth. It's man's suppression of the truth. It's Romans 1 verse 18. Paul uses the word ungodliness or wickedness. Some different versions would use unrighteousness. Basically, these words mean it's the violation of certain rules of conduct. It's the utter rejection of God himself, his deity, his authority, his very nature. Listen to this. God's wrath is revealed against all ungodliness and all wickedness, which is sin. When we choose to sin, we express contempt for God's character, calling bad things good. That's why Paul stated that ungodliness or wickedness are perpetuated by people who, quote unquote, suppress the truth in their own wickedness. God's truth by which he spoke the universe into existence and which he gave it order is suppressed by the evil intent of people. The word suppressed in the original Greek language, it's a word picture which depicts a man struggling to keep a lid on a container closed so that whatever is inside cannot escape. The sin of humanity suppresses, tries to contain, tries to keep a lid on the will of God. Therefore, sin keeps the world from working as God originally intended it to. 
So what truth do we suppress? We suppress the truth, in essence, that there is a God, that he is the creator of all things, that he's not a God, but the God, that he is powerful, more powerful than all else because he has made all else, that he is eternal because there was nothing before him or was not made but by him. See, the issue is if we allow ourselves to suppress the truth long, long enough, we, we, we eventually, it leads to rejecting God. Look at verse 21. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. And they claimed to be wise, but they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. So the second step in this progression is man's rejection of God. It's his rejection of God. Paul in verse 21 and verse 22 uses the word fool. Uh, According to the Hebrews, a fool was a person who knew the truth but refused to ignore it. The greatest fool had, let me say this right, the greatest fool had the most intelligence but yet ignored the information. They ignored the truth. The actual Greek word that Paul uses here in verse 21 and 22 to describe, to, for fool, to describe this fool is the word M-O, excuse me, M-R-O-S, which is where we get the word moron from. It means to be mentally sluggish to the point of being morally worthless in heart and in character. Let me say that again. Mentally sluggish, just checked out, to the point of being morally worthless in heart and character. This foolishness doesn't merely distract humanity from seeking their creator. It leads them to twist creation into something grotesque. Look at, this, look at the downward spiral. In verse 21, there's a willful ignorance of God. In verse 21 and 22, it leads to a clever imitation of God. And in verses 23 through 25, we're going to read, it ends with whole replacement of God. That's the secular humanism that we live in the world today. We want to ignore God, then we, want it, then we want to have our own imitations of what God would be, and then we want to just have a wholesale replacement. The creature is worshipped instead of the creator. The corruptible instead of the incorruptible. The temporal instead of the eternal. The earthly, fleshly animal instead of the heavenly spiritual maker. Foolish. Foolish exaltation of man over God. It's not new. The ancient Egyptians actually worshiped the soil and the river and the sun. And today, we're not much different. Uh, We have a tendency to confuse the gift with the giver. We look to our paychecks for provision. We'll sacrifice our families, our marriages, our children on on the altar of career if we're not careful. And we forget this. We forget that it's not the bread that keeps us alive, but it's God who provides it. That's what Paul's saying is that it's this, this rejection, this replacement, this abandonment. And so what it does, it exalts man and, it, and, and basically deescalates God. And because it begins with a suppression of the truth and then it be, continues on with a rejection. See, it's this process that keeps, that begins with suppression, that, 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 that leads to rejecting, but it dives headfirst into a self-centered, self-indulgent lifestyle. Look at verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over to the sinful desires of their heart, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. 
They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator, who is praised forever. Amen. This is man's love of self. Man's love of self. Man's choice puts God into this parental position of of tough love where a child's willful disobedience results in the full consequence without restraint. See, you know this and I know this. If you really love someone, you can't remain passive while their sin or their choices destroy them and affects everyone around them. While you or I may not be responsible, while God may not necessarily be responsible for the choices of us or we're not responsible for the choice of someone else, we can refuse to allow destruction behavior in our presence. This is what's happening. This is the fact. This is the approach that the, that the creator has taken with the sinful creation. So the Bible says, therefore, God gave them over to impurity. Verse 24 and 25. That word impurity means to be contaminated or infected. It's like an instrument that's been contaminated. It's no longer sterile and it's useless to a surgeon. It's not that it's still not an instrument. It's not that it still couldn't be sterilized, but because of the contamination, because of the infection, it is contaminated now and it cannot be used presently in the way that it is. It's no longer useful. Impure and impurities. The second thing that, that Paul says that, he turned, that we're turned over to because of our love for self is degrading passions. Verse 26 and 27. This is where, uh, again, the Romans would have had a, uh, a vocal um, espousal a, a of, of morality and purity, but, but quite frankly would turn, would turn an eye to adultery and, and sexual immorality. Chuck Swindoll uh, writes about this and, he, and this particular degrading passions, and he says that the pathos, which is an intense emotion of those who pursued impurity, is described as degrading or dishonoring. It's the same way that our leaders and those in authority taint honorable positions when they do something repulsive so that these men and women sol- are, are sullied by the, the dignity of humanity with their own lust. For God created the human body with the capacity to enjoy intense sexual pleasure within the context of a lifelong covenant between a man and a woman. Far from being something shameful or degrading, Sex, as God intended, honors the gift and the giver. But humanity, mankind, has twisted this wonderful gift into something subhuman. Again, when you read verse 26 and verse 27, you find that Paul is dealing with what, that, that, the, that the normal sexual behavior that God intended now has been abandoned. And now it's become not just men becoming lovers of themselves, but they're also becoming uh, homosexuality, uh, all types of sexual deviancies that would include uh, uh, bestiality, pedophilia, uh, everything that's outside the marital covenant between a, a husband and a wife, between a man and a woman. Again, we see this played out in the world in which we live in. First century, 21st century, this is not anything new. And, and, and please don't misunderstand me. I, I'm not... I didn't write the book, but this is what it says, is that when these behaviors become present in someone's life, that, it, that the, the response, that the, that the reason that you can trace it all the way back to, they suppress the own truth of God in wickedness. 
and their own wickedness and their own unrighteousness. Degrading passions. And the third thing that we're turned over to is a depraved mind, verse 28, all the way to the end of the chapter. Depraved does not mean as bad as it can possibly be. Depraved means to be worthless as proven by testing. It means to prove worthy or genuine by observing or testing. So our sinful and willful rejection of God in reality rejects us, not by God's actions and desires, but by our own. Chuck Swindoll also writes, I want to quote this, that the result of this mutual testing is a rejection of God by humankind. They reject him as creator. They reject his character as a standard of good. They reject his authority to determine right from wrong. They reject his judicial right to hold them accountable. And consequently, they have utterly separated themselves from God in response. God has formalized the division with a tough love, sever mercy uh, decree from, excuse me, let me say that again. In response, God has formalized the division with a tough love, severe, or excuse me, they've severed mercy uh, 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 from heaven called judicial abandonment. This process, just watch how it goes. This is what's interesting to me. As, as we suppress the truth, we reject God, we, we reject ourselves, our, our God, we reject him as God and creator and truth. And we elevate ourselves in that process. It begins with impurities, which then begins to degrade us. Namely, he says, in, in, in sexuality, but in all of our lives, but that's where it becomes apparent. And then lastly, it's not just in an impurity of, of our soul and degrading of our bodies, but it's a deprivation of our own mind. Mind, soul, and spirit. Mind, body, and spirit. It's, 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 it's this whole man of depravity that's coming. Because God wants it? No, because we reject. Because we try to contain, because we try to suppress the truth. So what do we do? How do we ensure that we don't fall into this cycle? So glad you asked that question. A couple things. First of all, receive the truth from God's word. Look back at Romans 1, 19 and 20. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of God's world, his invisible qualities, his internal power, his or eternal power and divine nature, what has been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's not trying to be mysterious. He's not trying to be um, passive. He's not trying to, he's not trying to trick anybody. Rather, God, the Bible says, makes it plainly known who he is. God shows, even from the creation of the world, that we're without any type of excuse, because from the creation of the world, God shows these qualities of his power, his divine nature. It's been clearly seen and understood. Even today, you're hearing the truth. You've got a Bible. You have access to a Bible. Um, it's the truth. And so the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to suppress it? Are you going to try to put a, a, a lid on it and try to contain it? When you do that, you elevate yourself. And in doing so, you begin to go down this path of, of, of impurity and degradation and depravity. When you let God's will be done in your life, when you accept and embrace the truth, when you look at yourself in a mirror, and, and the book of James talks about that mirror being God's word, what happens in those moments is 
you begin to receive the truth. And in receiving the truth comes health and life. Ignorance does not help us. Acting as though something is not going to happen doesn't help us. No, quite to the contrary. It's just the truth of the matter. And so the truth is I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. The truth is that God loved me enough, though, that I don't have to die in my sins, that I literally can have eternal life, have life today and life to the full, that I can have peace, I can have joy, I can have, I can have all of these wonderful things that God has for me in my life if I just simply receive his truth. But the more that I fight him, the more I try to test that I'm right, try to prove that I'm better, try to prove that I'm superior, try to just give God the old classic Heisman, I go down that path. But if I embrace it and I humble myself, I, I, I'm not going to fall into that cycle. Oh, I may sin. I may make a mistake. I may do something wrong. I, I, I may be impure in some way, but, but I'm not going to be given over to impurity. I'm not going to be given over to it's, 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 again, it goes back to God's in that parental role and it's as though, is that what you want? Okay, because God's not going to try to manipulate you or, or you're, you're a free moral agent. You, you have your own will and volition and so God's gonna allow you to do that. And, and the reality is, is it's your choice. And so is that what you want? It's like the story, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son. He wants to go do what he wants to do and the father says, okay, here's your inheritance, here's the truth. You know it, you go, and, and you kind of live this out. Until he comes to the end of himself, the Bible never shows the father going after the son until he sees the son coming to him. And then God runs. That's the heart of God. Not willing that any should perish. But we want to reject. We want to push. But when we receive it, we become like that son and the prodigal. We become that prodigal son coming home. And God receives us, he cleans us up, he restores us because we accept the truth. The second thing that we do to make sure we don't fall into this cycle is just sim simply surrender to God. And what do you mean by that? I just mean, you know, Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six talk about this. It's just, it's about just a simple surrender where I just, you know, I, I'm not fighting God. I'm not, I'm not trying to, okay, I accept this as truth, but, God, I know that you're God, but God, I receive your word, but I just don't like these passages. And so can we cut this out of the Bible? No. I mean, the, the passage that we just read earlier, uh, uh, you know, that we, that we referred to earlier about the, the degrading passions in verse 26 and 27. Uh, there are people, even within the church community, that want to take a pair of scissors and simply cut that out and act like it doesn't exist. Uh, and but, and, and, and the reality is it does. It's, it's how God designed it. And again, we may not always like it. It may feel a bit uncomfortable, but it's the truth of God's word. And so if we will su simply surrender and just go, okay, God, it's not like I accept your truth, but I, I accept this. <laughs> I, he knows that we struggle. He knows that we have questions. Never, that doesn't put him, but I just accept this is truth. Now help me live this. Help me to figure this out. Help me to show this in my, help me so that I have kindness and, and I have love towards other people. Help me, God, so that surrendering to him. And the third thing I would say, so that we make sure that we don't fall into the cycle of suppressing the truth and going down to this impurity and this degradation and this depravity is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. 
Hebrews chapter 12, 1, 2, and 3, verses 1, 2, and 3, talk about this. But to fix our eyes upon Jesus, even in the middle of what's going on today with, with the fact that we are connecting via uh, um, online instead of in person, look, God's on the throne, and he's got it all under control. None of this catches him by surprise. None of this throws him off kilter. God's not scrambling in the heavenlies trying to figure all this out. No, 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 no. Just keep my eyes upon Jesus. Just keep my eyes upon Jesus. Just follow him. Be an imitator of him. And in doing so, in doing so, I'm going to get where I'm supposed to go. I'm going to get to my destination. I'm going to get where God's called me to be here and for eternity. If I just keep my eyes upon Jesus. Might you stumble? It's possible. Yeah. You know, I mean, we, there's none of us that are righteous. And we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. But the truth of the matter is, if I just, even when I fall, if I get back up and I just keep my eyes upon Jesus, keep my eyes upon Jesus. Not to the left, not to the right, not look into, to, you know, what this is saying or this crowd saying, but God, this is what your word says. I'm going to receive the truth. I'm going to surrender to you and I'm going to fix my eyes upon Jesus. Because I want to remind you what we talked about last weekend, the hope that we have. Romans 1, 16 and 17. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, also to the Greek. And for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. It's our hope. It's our hope that God loves you and me. He's got a plan for you and for me. We're not lost. We're not abandoned. We're not forgotten for God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that if you would simply receive him, you would have everlasting life, eternal life. John 10, 10 says that he came to give us life today and life to the full. So it's not just in the sweet by and by that we have life. Yes, there's assurance of that, that heaven's our home, but it's also here today. It's in living our lives, it's in raising our families, it's in our relationships, it's in our marriages. It, it's even, you know, you know in, in the struggles that we have, you know, with our own sin, with our, with, with our own struggles. Because we all struggle from time to time with, with the truth and we don't want it and we try to push away from it. And, and the truth is, it, it is what it is. And if we'll accept it, then we'll be saved. If we reject it, then we're gonna find ourselves in impurity, and degradation and depravity. And that's not God's plan. So I wanna pray for you today. And my prayer is, is that every one of us in different places will try to suppress the truth. Instead, I pray that we just embrace the truth. And here's what I mean. We just embrace God's word. We lean so heavily on it that if it were to move, we would fall. So what does that mean today? Today in the world that we live in where there's all this kind of craziness and hysteria that's going on, is there a real virus? Yeah. Is it potentially deadly? Absolutely. I mean, even though we know that, that it is, uh, it's, it's substantially um, minimized by some of the very, very, very unique actions that are being taken today. I mean, that we've never lived in a day or time where We've had this where schools are canceled and, and, and we're trying to, uh, you know, even in our nation, and, and there's a national state of emergency on this particular issue. But guess what? Jesus is still on the throne and the truth is still 
God's truth. And, and when we lean into that and when we, when, when we trust in that and when we do that, we, we, don't, we don't lean into what everybody else is saying. We just go back to what God's word says. And God's word, the phrase fear not, appears 365 times in scripture, one for every day. Jesus used the, fur, the phrase fear not more than any other phrase. Why? Because you and I, in our own humanity, want to forget, not even intentionally sometimes, which, but it's an un, unintentional consequence to almost suppress the truth that God's on the throne, God's in control, God's got it all handled. And in doing that, we, we lean into fear and to worry. Don't, don't do that. So how can you practice this today? Just say, you know what, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I, I'm going re- to look at God's word and I, I'm going to stand on his promises. In your marriage, maybe you're going through a rough time. I'm, I'm going I'm to believe that, you know, when, that God blesses marriage and that God, 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 God's intent is for, for me to, so he's going he's gonna to help me and my spouse to get through what we need to get through and to, and to do what we need to do. And to, and to see this through, you know, uh, maybe you're having a tough time with your kids, you know, that, that, you know, you've raised them and that you've taught and that you've trained them. So you stand on God's word that when you teach and train them, they won't depart from it. Maybe you're struggling in your finances right now. And, and again, it's just all these areas in our lives. We just go, it, it, our, our, our physical bodies, he's our great physician. It's whatever we have need of. That's the truth. So let's embrace the truth, not suppress it. And in doing so, and, and, and embracing that truth and surrendering to him and to fixing our eyes upon Jesus, we will live the kind of life that God's called us to live. I wanna pray for you right now. Will you bow your heads with me wherever you are and just simply pray and just, just agree with me in prayer. Father, I just thank you today for your people. I thank you, God, for the technology that we have that we're able to connect and that we're able to, to, to be together, uh, even though it's a bit different. I pray, Lord, that you would just simply, God, calm any fears and any worries, any concern, and let us lean to your truth. God, what your word says about us and the world in which we live in. You've got this under control. We just need to keep our eyes upon you. We need to surrender ourselves to you, and we need to lean in to your truth. And so, Father, I just pray let the hope of Jesus Christ be inside of us, because here's what we have as Christ followers. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. And let us be lights of that hope right now in a world that's a bit chaotic and a bit crazy and a bit, quite frankly, just kind of reactive. Help us to not react, but to act, to have confidence in, to do what you've called us to do, to be what you've called us to be. Be with your people. Bless us until we gather together again. In Jesus' name, 